Excited to be back here today for the Breaking Through the Mayhem uh, podcast. We have with us probably one of my all-time favorite people in our marketing space, Albert Thompson. Uh, we know each other for how long now, Albert? What do you think? Well, maybe seven. Seven years already? Yeah, maybe six, seven. But in digital time, like that's a good number. I, f- I feel bad for you, actually, that that you know me that long, but you know what? We've, uh, we've actually learned a lot about each other. Albert's one of those guys that not only is he one of the best marketers I've ever met, but he's also one of the best people. So if you get a chance to meet Albert, he's, he's an absolute good guy and, uh, always looking to do the right thing. So just one of my favorite people in the space, Albert, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, obviously we're, we're going to be talking a lot about mayhem today and what's going on in the world. And, Clearly, your your morning getting dressed might be mayhem with how how big you match and how good you do. So, how long does it usually take you to get ready in the morning? I think let's start there, and then and then let's jump in. No, no, my mind kind of catalogs what I'm thinking, what I might want to rock, so it kind of comes. It's not one of those things where I'm sitting there <laughs> lost. <laughs> you don't you don't think about it prior? Oh yeah, yeah, but I, I might just think about it in, in different impulses during the day. One of the amazing, we'll get into this like thought process tracks is a lot of, they talk about how a lot of people have great ideas as they transition from one activity to the next. It's kind of like that dead time, finish work and got to go do the dishes and, and the mind transfers. And a lot of the epitome, the exploration of great thought comes from that. So even with clothing, once I take a break for something, if I know I have to go get into something later, I'm already starting to pull it downstream, uh, what I'd want to wear, why all that stuff. So by the time I step to the closet, stuff just comes what what accessory do you have the most of? Ooh, probably jewelry. Uh, at this jewelry, point. wow. Like between necklaces, rings, watches, sunglasses. I, I think the whole or, or eyewear, the, the whole accessories category. I would say, like like I can be a little bit relentless like that. I mean, look, the whole idea is I just I want options like plug and play. Do you do you keep things for a long time? Because the nostalgia game is back yeah. today in the trend. So are you yeah. able to go back and receive, or do you typically reuse? Like, what's what's your go to? Uh, you know what it is, man. At some point years ago, I got on this idea of a one of one. Like, I buy stuff that looks like it's part of a collection, so I don't buy what other people buy, and I buy the thing that that I would probably keep indefinitely. So that you know, there's a lot of precision in the thought. You know, people. Will see me in one of the comments they made. They they were like, they're like just the level of detail, and I don't know. It kind of stuck to me. I think it's the Marine Corps mentality. The excellence is in the details. And look, we'll get into it when we get in our session talk. But to me, that's the problem with marketing advertising. People don't have any excellence in the detail. They're just doing stuff, and that's why I always say like, you know what? You're just messing up the game. You kind of need to just get out the sandbox. <laughs> we're passionate about it to run this thing. Uh, so we got a lot of kids with high credit card limits making decisions. But look, they're kids making decisions with a lot of money. Uh, my thing is, you know, like be, be specific in particular, some intentionality, as they say, in what you do 
But I've always treated the things I do like it's my craft. Like if you think about an artist, an artist is never going to paint an ugly picture and make it horrible and try to sell it. It's their craft. So I, I, I treat everything like it from even how I dress to the work product I put out to the talk tracks that I have. You treat it like a craft. And I think the rule of your craft is you just never dishonor your craft. And I watch a lot of people like, man, you just, like, you just dishonor your discipline, dude. Like, go find something that you're not going to do that to. So, look, I know that's a little bit off topic with that, but that's just, that's how I've, you know, and that's evolved over time. But that's always just been my thing because people do what? They're always sizing people up. That's just what human nature does. So that's that's um, obviously it, been a big staple in your career. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself yeah. uh, here early on for our audience, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I knew I wanted to do advertising in high school. And when I when I tell people that, it kind of blows away. Like, no, I knew junior year, this is what I'm going to do. I, I think what I had to sort out later is what's the entry point, what's the base discipline of the focus, and, and where the money is at. So obviously ended up focusing in marketing, specifically consumer marketing, going through college, you know, going through grad school, just because one, I knew an MBA pays more. I'm not stupid. And two, everything is about the consumer. Like that's that's the only star. That's the only North Star. So I'm always floored to watch people focus on things that have nothing to do with that. That's why you'll hear me say things like businesses boils down to one premise. It's other people's money. You know, Adam, we need other people's money to do this thing. So it, 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 so you're trying to unpack why people do and buy what they buy to get their money because then it's a business. Otherwise, it's like a nonprofit or it's basically a business plan on a hard drive that, that, that has some proof of revenue. So my thing was focus on marketing, always the consumer, been a multicultural, a large part of my career, worked at three, I would say, multicultural focus agencies, actually four. Uh, Walt Nison is the fourth when I'm the managing director of uh, digital innovation, but I think my thing is multicultural segmentation. And most of marketing is segmentation. People always say, oh, we have a national consumer. I'm like, there's no national consumer, not for real. I mean, I might be because I go to Zara nationally. But other than that, most people are regional consumers. The regions are stitched together to form a national picture. But we're in the business of segmentation. That's what marketing is, breaking down segments and understanding why they buy what they buy. It's why product portfolios are constantly expanding and speak to a new segment. So that's always been my sort of discipline and, and background and sort of focus. I've always been on the agency side, but I, I'm not an agency guy. I'm not, a, I'm not a digital guy. I'm not a media guy. I'm a marketer's marketer. I've always said that to people to be very clear. I speak the, the speak of marketers, and I think that's why I've been successful because marketers are the check writers. So if you can't speak the check writer language, it's hard to get checks. Or after a while, the checks get taken away. So I, my whole thing is, to, is future-proofing what you're trying to do by speaking the language of everybody's boss. You know, CMO is everybody's boss. The ad tech person's boss, the agency's boss. In the brand team's boss. So you got to understand the boss of all bosses. And I think that's another misnotion. I think what's evolved in my career is becoming more of what I would call a marketing technologist. And that is the idea that you're either mapping marketing on top of technology, or you're also trying to figure out how technology is going to solve marketing challenges or like the broader business challenges. And I think that's something that people don't key in as well. The tech is here to accelerate the same agenda that it's always been connecting consumers with products and services in a marketplace. So He's basically, so you bring up a really good point. I mean, what what becomes the title of that role, marketing technologist, and what does marketing technologist mean to you so that the, you know, people could learn from what you're thinking there? Yeah, I mean, look, when I think of the idea of a marketing technologist, I think people try to separate 
you know, I'm in technology, I'm an ad tech guy, does this and this. And my whole thing is marketing is the parent company. Always has, always will be. I think people forget that. I've said it on stage, like advertising is not the parent company. Advertising is a derivative under marketing. It really starts with supply chain because uh, you got to move products in the market. That, so to promote, we learned this during COVID. There's no products on the road being shipped. There's no marketing. There's no budgets. And people are like, why there's no money? I'm like, there's no product in the store. What are you talking about? So when you start thinking about marketing technologies, how does technology accelerate the agenda of marketing as a discipline and a business? And I think people just don't, they just don't get that very simple notion. That is what we are here for. There was an era where a lot of this technology didn't exist and marketing was still the discipline. And you still see the fastest thing. This is this was long before, let's say, even TV advertising. You know, it's one of the funny things they said is like one thing that alcohol has done more than any other facet of life, it is brought people together, breaking down barriers to have conversation to do commerce and business. So clearly in that era of the late 1800s, early 1900s, a lot of the stuff didn't exist. So people just sat with a drink, probably some bourbon or whiskey or something, broke bread, came over to marketplace where they're trading gold, silver, metals, materials, whatever. And that was the very early days of it. And part of that thing that I look at is like, look, human nature hasn't changed. We just got better tools to do stuff with. So how are you going to impart and use the tools to accelerate what we're still trying to accomplish? And that's get people to buy our stuff. Got it. And in terms of um, yourself, you've been you've been speaking a bunch over the last year, especially. Uh, what do you think has accelerated the need to hear from you? over the last year for the audience? Cause they could find you pretty much all over stages, even seeing you being the, the lead picture for different conferences as you and I have always uh, cracked up about, but you know, what do you think has accelerated the need to hear from someone like you more? And in terms of that, I mean, my, my personal opinion of getting to know you is just how well you navigate what's going on around you and the mayhem that's going on in today's world. So what would be your advice out there to get out there and speak as much as you authentically do? And how have you kind of weaved that in and what's what's led to that? And why is this crazy world that's out there led to you wanting to speak more and led to you being a voice that people want to hear from more? Yeah, look, I think quietly people aren't stupid. The human nature tends to make two choices, do what they did yesterday and do what's most popular. You see a ton of that. I think the other thing is, having said that, people people still want to know the truth, even if they're not going to execute against it. Um, and that's that's mainly what I draw. I, I, and I, I lay it out in brass tax form that it's reachable and can move people. So a lot of it is just how crafting the narrative. It's not even so much that I'm saying what they haven't heard. I just try to say it in a way that lands with no BS and no filter on it. But I, I do it in a way that adds some level of acumen to, to people like, okay, I, now I hear you. I did find what you said, even when people requote me. When you've been around long enough to see see everything built, you know, because I've been in digital almost 25 years. So, I mean, I was here before Google. Uh, you, you remember Netscape, Internet Explorer, these relics. So when you look at these things, you start to unpack the meaning of it. You know, one of my favorite philosophers I follow, Jordan Peterson, is like, human nature is not about the view of things. It's about the meaning of things. Most people make decisions in this business based on the view. Oh, my God, this is how everybody's doing it. Yeah, but from a meaning perspective, your business, it actually has very little value. You just didn't stop to figure that out. Like I'm one of these people that can fight all the tiny little impulses to go do the next hot thing, to make meaning of it first, to figure out if it means something for me personally, or even for the brands that I represent, or even for the agency at large. And a lot of people just don't do that. I'm, I'm very much a rules of engagement guy. What are the rules of engagement stepping in this, this space? What I find is that people don't have guidelines like that for themselves and don't establish them and don't even part that to clients. It's like, can't just, can't just let people go spend money. You got to establish their rules 
to how you play in this. And look, that's been every business that's been legal or illegal. The other thing is that I don't buy into vanity measures when people start talking about, well, it's this and it's that. It's like, that's not a human endeavor. That's not a human pursuit. Like when I tell people like human beings, consumers aren't clickers. They do click, but they're not clickers. So I watch people classify human nature down to some single point of reference when they know themselves, they aren't a single point of reference. I think the other thing I've always imported is like, you have to treat yourself like much of the world, like digital good, digital good being never finished. The idea that cell phone is obsolete like every two weeks now, you know, we got we're on iPhone 40 now. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I'm always carrying, carrying a relic. This is so <laughs> the idea that everything exists in a state of impermanence. But, but and people know that. But they well, that's, you know, that's to help uh, continue to get consumers to keep paying. To uh, absolutely. The next, uh, best, the next best thing. But um, in, in terms of what you're saying, like, I, I want to get back to that other key point to help. Like, what, what do you think has been the reason that you're being asked to speak on some of these amazing topics? Like obviously in the last 10 years, things have exploded, right? Yeah. You have Everyone's talking about AI, right? Everyone's talking about brand safety, viewability, supply path, attention, right? How you set the stage for things and everyone's asking you to talk about it. So what, what do you think is the lead reason that, you know, you you feel you have the right knowledge. I un, I got it. You've been in this for twenty five years, right? You you know a lot. You think through the lens of the consumer. You think about who could pay you the check, right? But now now you lead into when you call yourself a practitioner, you obviously have to understand all that data, all the noise, all the yeah, what's going on in this crowded space. How do you typically learn all these new things? And then how do you come to your decisions on what are the best of the best? Right. That, that, that would be something I think I find, I mean, maybe the audience will, but that's something I'm very interested in. Look, I would probably say intellectual curiosity above all else. I'm always floored by people in this business who are intellectually curious and in how things work and why. And I'm very much, you know, as I've been told, a white paper guy. And I, I look, my whole idea is about unpacking and understanding why there's relevancy here. Look, people feed into propaganda. We, look, the goal of propaganda is to get you to get you to focus on what you think other people think. And I'm like, what's wrong with the independent mind? I mean, my thing is most, the independent mind is the most successful mind because you can look at Richard Branson, Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, you just go down the line, uh, uh, Michael Bay, I mean, all of them. All of them are people who independently got outside the matrix or whatever you want to call it to start to look at and see, look at what everyone else is looking at, but see what no one else can see. The other thing I think I, I try to do better than most in the industry is I, I set the frame better. People are so focused on picture. That's why he like KPI talk crap like that. I'm like, no, you need to set a better frame for how you measure outcomes for which KPI is an element of it, but not the North Star of the conversation. I think people improperly self set the frame and don't even look at it. They're just looking into the picture what we understand is most successful brands or entities set a very good frame. Louis Vuitton sets an amazing frame. So why we always want it. When you look at you know supercars, nine cars, you and I talk cars, Ferrari, Lamborghini, Bentley, Bugatti, McLaren, they set an amazing frame that makes the product desirable. Apple sets a better frame than Android because they talk about the ecosystem. They ain't talking about it. like they talk get into feature set. Android people like, I love the features. Apple people like, I love my universe. The universe is more powerful. You know, so when you start to think about why there's uh, so much attraction and addiction addiction to things, it's that the frame is better. 
I think a lot of these conversations have, people are improperly setting the frame, getting lost in the picture. So when I start to look at the impact of brand safety, viewability, AI, I try to set the frame for people because once you set the frame, then you can control a bit of the narrative and how they think about it. And the decisioning within becomes far more better. And I think the other thing is a lot of people in these talk tracks, they circle the drain, they don't drop in. And I'm like, are you circling the drain because you just want to be able to reboot this conversation in six months to a year and never really land the plane? And what I've got to a place is like, let me give them the throughput. Let me give them the cheat code so they can actually go to their desk and do something with it. I'm one of these people that sometimes what is useful is more meaningful, so, you know, meaningful than what is the truth. Got people it. useful information. They don't necessarily, look, the hope is what's useful is the truth. But sometimes what is useful it has greater priority than necessarily what is the truth or what is the perceived truth. And I try to give people information that's like useful and it's specifically executable. In terms of that question, like based on what you're saying, what what do you think are some of the biggest false promises then in the digital marketing landscape today? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think the biggest one is probably programmatic as a discipline, because when I think about programmatic, I think about, you know, like if I had to go back, the biggest problem is these programmatic philosophies that, that automation is the answer in and itself. You turn on the machines and the machines will figure, figure it out. The biggest thing is, the machines are only good as the people programming. The people who program suck, it will suck. And look, you know that as someone who runs uh, a, you know, a SaaS enterprise and then has another business unit brand mentality that's based on SaaS. You understand this idea of decisioning is everything. And what people are doing is they're outsourcing this idea of agency or decisioning you know, to machines that weren't designed to outthink human beings yet. Even when they talk about the whole idea of uh, AI, or, uh, AI or generative AI, and it's like our AGI, whatever term you want to use. It's like, yeah, but you still have to set up the use case to break down information. And it's really about being an extension of the intellect, not replacing the intellect so I can just do this and be hands off keys all day. That's not the world we, we sort of live in. So programmatic philosophies has done a disservice to marketing because it is still marketing is a game of ambition. It's still a human endeavor. It's not a machine endeavor. KPI talk is another one I hate. Oh, what are the KPIs? I'm like, the KPI is revenue. Revenue return. Uh -huh. Businesses are in businesses to make money. Nonprofits still got to make money, but it has to even out the books at the end of the day. So it's not a profit center. And it's like, what are we talking about KPI talk? Set a better frame of revenue return where there are measures in, in underneath it to give you an understanding. Are you on the trajectory or path to make money? I think the other one is like this DE&I investments. I'm like, DE&I is to being low status. And the problem with deeming anything low status, it's, it's offensive. But in the, in the low status designation of things like DNI and multicultural marketing is that there's low investment, low prioritization. Um, and when you, when you start to think about it, it, it offends the human pursuit of all these facets doing what's right, uh, you know, playing and showing their marketplace. People need to diversify a set of consumers, but then they act like they don't want to play in that sandbox and spend money into it. They just want the attraction without having to work for it. So when you start to look at this stuff, you're like, yeah, that's another false promise. And there's a lot of them. But again, to my analogy about the late 1800s, early 1900s, and how people just sat with some bourbon and broke bread and, and came up and said, let's do business. All of that is still the same human pursuit. We all want people to do things with us, even at the basic level we want to date. That's all about this, these laws of attraction. And I think what people have done is taken the easy out as to these are the solve, because the propaganda says, well, that, that, that's what works and everybody else does that. I'm like, yeah, but that has nothing to do 
with a, a pursuit of the consumer. There's just too many people in the B2B business, dude. And I always tell people, it's the B. <laughs> it's the C. There's a C at the end. I'm in the C business. But a lot of people out here, they're just in the B2B business. So in terms of that, I mean, obviously, it sounds like you you have a love and a passion for all of this creativity. But you also definitely have a frustration for the way that cre creativity is planned up front. Yeah. And how it's brought through the the whole process. So what do you what do you expect in the future that most people don't see? Uh, because it sounds like what you've prided yourself on is seeing the future in the way you think about things. So obviously we're talking a lot about history, but you also have to blend uh, the future with history. So what are you thinking is coming next in our business? Yeah, it's funny. You know, people would always say, you know, even our, our founder would be like, you know, Albert's the kind of guy who tends to be ahead of everyone. But I, I made that a discipline, like to walk into the future, to synthesize the information. And then I come back and I start the clock and I tell people, even clients, you got about a year. You got two years. So you need to before, before you better be ready. You you make yeah. them all you make them all uh nervously optimistic. Is yeah, yeah. Right? I'm like, yeah, two years. Right word? Yeah, but I'm telling you this is coming. Like I went around the curve. I know you you're busy, you're in meetings, you're on Zooms and Teams or something. So I went <laughs> around the curve. And that's one of those things like you come around the corner and you're like, that boat looks small. And then you realize like that yacht is massive. And then you're like, yeah, it's bigger once I got close to it in terms of where we're coming. <laughs> so you need to get ready. You need to start. Look, I'm one of these people that I'm out. Like if somebody asked me, like, what do you stand for? Like, I'm trying to represent weaponized intelligence. So look, I'm trying to not only have it and contain it, I'm trying to like make use and do something and do 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 some bigger things with it. So I think people know, like, if you're gonna rock with me, I'm only gonna try to elevate you in the, the conversation, the story. And that's my that's my promise to the marketplace. Like it needs elevating across a series of domains. So when you ask me why I get asked to speak in a lot of topics, like, cause I'm not, I'm trying to elevate them all cause there's friction in all of them. There's elements that's broken in all of it. You, you know, I've gone back and forth in that stuff. And I think that's the thing that people need to sort of key in on is that what are those white spaces that need to be turned up and fixed? So I've looked at everything from why the, why blockchain is going to matter at a human level, because people haven't changed in the last 10,000 years. I mean, there's, yes, there's been evolution and sophistication, but at the end of the day, there's some basic environmental instincts that we still do. We just got better stuff to play with now. And I think what people think is like human nature has been rewired and so much different, knowing they're not that much different from their parents. That's why we turn it into our parents, because human nature is not really that much different. So I'm always trying to look at what's coming that's going to accelerate an agenda that's already in play. You guys, you and I always talk about the speed of information the speed of the consumer. It's why people need a platform like Brand Mentality for better decisioning because they've got to come upstream very fast. They've got to evolve and pivot very fast. And they can't hold on to legacies of an organizational mentality and then fight against a consumer mentality and the expectation of who they need to be. They need to synthesize and figure out where's the throughput, a through line to be successful. And the only way you can do that is sort of peek into the future and apply it to past tendencies and ask yourself, okay, what's getting sunsetted here? Or have we just kind of evolved the same working mechanism what we've done? People, you know, I don't, I don't know why. I remember what it saying in 2005, social media is the next form of media. And people are like, what are you talking about? And of course, I said it to a print radio. Or they say, like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, who is this guy? And I'm like, word of mouth is the only engine. It, it's how societies were built. These are just tools where more word of mouth is going to be sit on, catalog, cataloged, and documented. Of course, it's going to matter when I tell people, well, community is the, is the flagship store. It's not your flagship store. It's the idea of community. 
And I'm and they're like, well, how do you say that? You know, we we got our, Ma our Manhattan store, we got our, our Paris store. Like, no, 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 no. Everything is about community. That, that, that's how we identify with the world. We show up in community, church community, work community, digital community, sneaker community, you know, sports betting community, get all these communities, Jets communities, Laker communities, Kobe Bryant communities. Everything is still oriented around this idea of community. That's why it is the flagship store and will always be. But yet when you say that, people are like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm like, yes, it's not your... It's it's not your Paris store. It's not your London you, store. You're making me you're making me want to do more more good for my life. You know, you got to go out there help the community. Every community, it break down every community in different ways. I think the last thing I would be curious about here, as we wrap up here through breaking through the mayhem, with my amazing guest Albert Thompson, who's inspired you uh, that that no one would know. Like, give me, give me somebody that's inspired in you, you in your life that no one would know about. And like that, that key moment for you. Look, I would say I'm an amalgamation of a series of people, for which at that point I figure out what works to me and how I want to carry forth. And again, I'm more of an independent mind thinker. I probably have a little bit of maverick in me as you can like tell. So I'm not <laughs> a consensus person. I'm a step outside the box just because look, I, I had enough of that teaching spoken in me. So let's go through a list of them. I mean, look, I like, you know, philosophers like Jordan Peterson. I like Simon Sinek. Sinek. Um, you know, I, I've read some of the, at this point, some of the old philosophers, Dossier, Nietzsche, some of their teachings. Uh, look, I look at Denzel Washington and how he carries his room. It's like, there's probably no one mean, I, me, my punch back to people, something Denzel related. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, so, you know. What do you, you think of the new equalizer? Oh, I love it. But there's an inner character in him. Same thing with Man on Fire that I, I can identify with. You know, so I mean, look, I like some of the elements of Michael B. It's, Jordan. It's that I, smooth demeanor. Absolutely. That, that you yeah. always know the mind's going. Yeah, that, absolutely. It's the common theme. Yeah. So if you looked at, you know, if you looked at style, you know, I'll, I'll look at a Miguel. I look at a, like a Lenny Kravitz. You know, I mean, some of these people who, who you can create, see you created identity that has transcended time. Maybe people didn't agree with it during the, the middleware at that point. But for me personally, I can identify with that. So, so I'm always looking at people. Should I put you on the spot then on like, what influencer would you not follow? I don't think there's anything. And look, people don't listen for three reasons. <laughs> three or two. They're either stupid. Most people aren't stupid. <laughs> but then the other number one reason is arrogance. They feel like they don't have something to learn from people. I'm always willing to sit for a second to see, can you speak some life into my, already, my knowledge base? And look, even when we work with partners, I always say, how is this going to be, or are you going to be an extension of what I already know? That's what I'm looking for. You know, so when I work with our multicultural partners, that's what I'm looking for. I need you to be an extension of my knowledge base. If you're not, I'm not interested. When I look at tools, I'm looking at the same thing. Is this going to be an extension of what I already know? Okay, I like that. If it's not, what's the point? Like, I'm trying to stick and move. So when I've taken this approach of an amalgamation, it's not only just inspiration of people, it's, it's enterprise, it's platforms, it's books. And I think the, that goes back to that intellectual curiosity and specifically what you're sort of feeding yourself. So there's a series of podcasts, and another one's Chris Williamson. Another one is, uh, I can't remember the name, but Diary of a CEO. But when you start to listen to these, these people and some of the things they say, like even Sam Harris, who sometimes is a polarizing figure, he said one of the best things I've ever heard. He's like, he's like attention is the cash value of time. And I'm like, yeah, I got to start looking at who I can give my attention. And do I feel like I'm getting the cash value back? And if not, I don't know. You got to figure out what per hour per attention is worth for Albert Thompson. I think that's a great way to close this out. And uh, Albert, obviously uh, great to have you on. 
you're absolutely thanks for having me i appreciate like it. i said at the beginning you're you're a phenomenal person everyone should follow albert go listen to him everywhere and do your best uh to try to dress like him which i think is <laughs> is going to be difficult thank you albert for everything take care buddy all right man appreciate you thank you guys Hi, I'm Hannah, one of the producers for Sightly's Breaking Through the Mayhem podcast. We want to thank you so much for listening to the show. If you want to learn more about the guests we had on today, we included additional information about them in the show notes. Finally, if you'd like to be on the podcast, or if you know someone that would make a great fit, you could fill out the form at sightly.com forward slash podcast. We hope you have a great day.